interested. This is why I'm really interested in all this. So then, uh, can you uh, just introduce yourself? Um, and that would be really great. So my name is Deng, Deng Chor, but uh, yeah, a lot of people call me uh, Deng Magoldit. Um, yeah, so Magoldit is my dad's nickname. And uh, yeah, so um, last few years, I'll, I live in Melbourne. Um, and yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Deng. And, and again, my name is Majoku Chok, and um, I'm, the, I'm the founder of uh, what I call Mac Talks, and I also uh, uh, do publications on... Uh, on what I call the BP publishers. So I myself, I'm, I'm a writer and I'm also SASNIS advocate in public health. So I work for the local government in Western Australia, you know, uh, educating people on uh, health issues and all that. But part of uh, my community involvement is just to uh, navigate through and to see the challenges that are facing our community. And given, given uh, the fact that our community, you know, is one of the fastest growing community in Australia, you know, among the other cultural diversity communities, uh, we've got the younger, huge uh, generations, which is really coming up. And I believe there are a lot of uh, good children who are really coming out of this community. And just only a small minority uh, that are really, you know, skip out of the way. But again, you know, uh, we've been facing a lot of um, uh, media challenges and we've been juggling with them and all that. So then, so among the other cultural and linguistical diversity communities in Australia, the South Sudanese community is one of the fastest, as I said earlier on. And we see a lot of young people coming out of it, you know, growing very fast into uh, professional sports, and others are really doing well in their careers as well. So we have a huge young teens population in Australia within, with Melbourne hosting the larger population of South Sudanese. So what do you think are some of the major uh, concerns that, uh, that are facing a lot of the youth? You know, do you think uh, the parents and the community leaders are neglecting the youth challenges in Australia or is it the government uh, in the states where all these young people are who are really failing them in the adventures? Yeah, I think um, to me, how I see it is uh, basically uh, we're we are we are crossing we're crossing over um, into identifying ourselves and the the crisis that are happening with the young people right now, especially in Melbourne, is basically that trying to to understand who they are. And we've, 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 we've walked away from, from the fact that, you know, uh, we, we, we're South Sudanese, yes, but now we're identifying ourselves as South Sudanese Australians. And what that means, that's where the struggle is. And it's, everyone, everyone is struggling with that because the parents are still uh, also trying to identify themselves with that. What, what it means to be an, a South Sudanese Australian and what it means to be, to live in Australia within uh, this multicultural setting. And so um, some people see it as a neglect, like, like the, the children are being neglected, but how I see it is that we're all struggling. 
the parents are struggling with that, trying to, trying to create an identity. The children are struggling, trying to create an identity. And, and then, you know, the, 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 gap, uh, the gap between the, the parents and the children uh, get widened because the children, um, they, they, they've got that access to schools. They, they can pick up from their friends and, and, and you know, they go faster than, than the parents. Um, so where their crisis is happening is, is the fact that, you know, we're still, we're still grounded within the South Sudanese culture and within South Sudanese traditions. And, um, and that's, you know, walking out of the house as a South Sudanese person and going into the streets uh, I trying to identify yourself with the mainstream community, there's a struggle there. That's it, how I see it. It's pretty concerning. Thank you so much for answering that. And um, yes, you have, you have identified the key issues that has been uh, uh, conflicting, you know, between the parents, the, the younger people, you know, trying to find their uh, identity, uh, which is the reality of the fact that uh, uh, a lot of parents are, are pretty much um, uh, still holding back into what they call an African traditional beliefs and, uh, and looking at the younger generation, which is really coming up, you know, trying to navigate through to their uh, school systems and become part of the mainstream is it, it, a challenge. So later on, when the young people, you know, come back from their studies, you know, coming back to their houses, you know, they come and find some different cultural uh, identity conflicting in the house, which is uh, become a big tension. And, and I'm glad that you have touched bases. And this is what I wanted to hear, you know, from people like yourself who grew up down here. Thank you for that. So as you are a young person yourself, uh, who grew up here and, and, and other, and you might have grew up with other young people who are might be your siblings, your cousins, and your other friends uh, from the close uh, community. So what are the key issues and the challenges that you might think uh, might hindering your access to the services or uh, your access to, to the career projection? Like you wanted to assess something and then it's becoming harder for you to assess you know, due to some other factors that might, uh, might be able to you know, obstruct you on the way. So what do you think are the challenges that, are, that you have went through and that might be the same issues that are other young South Sudanese are facing today. Yeah, um, I think you know media plays a big part in what in in how uh, we, we you know how we carry ourselves, and um, the projection of of our issues is, is a little bit out of proportion sometimes. Even like you mentioned at the beginning about you know there's a small number that that might you know go the wrong way. And the way as that it, it get portrayed is, is a little bit out of out of the way, out of hand, and a little bit out of proportion. That um, let's say, uh, you know, it, it creates this this uh, mindset in the community of, of prejudice. That, that uh, you know, this is who who we are. That's that's the the that. Um, you know, if a South Sudanese, let's say, want to, want to apply for a job, um, and you know, once once it is it's discovered that you know it's South Sudanese, even though it might in Australia it's illegal to to discriminate someone on the on the basis of their uh, you know 
their cultural background, the prejudice, the, the prejudice is still there. You know, it's, it's I think that's one of the writers, one of my favorite writers talks about, about the burden, burden of nationality. And so our nationality has become a burden to us. But the reason why it's a burden to us, it's not, it's, it's not something that uh, maybe we contribute a little bit, but in reality, the media has, uh, you know, portrayed it out of proportion. So it makes it very difficult for us to live in Australia because <laughs> uh, we can't build ourselves with a bad image on the streets. Why do you think the Sassanese community has become a big target of the Australian mainstream media uh, while a, the Sassanese community is not equivalent to the 1% of the populations, given the fact that uh, other nationalities are emerging as well? I think um, probably we're, we're, we're very, um, we're very outspoken people. And um, that's, that's basically who we are as a people. We, we, um, we, uh, we don't just, you know, we don't just sit back and twiddle our thumbs. We like to, to face, um, we, we like to take opportunities. And, and we, we, we've done that probably in every, in every way. And <laughs> to the point where, you know, you find, you find the, the, the kids taking that opportunity of, 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 of freedom and misusing it. So it's uh, having a very loud community, a very young, loud community, it, it creates the attention. And uh, we have, we've done that. We've really created the attention because we are young and loud. And, um, and it might've been easier to, to be loud on, 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 a, on a, a different, on different things. But our message become loud on, on you know things like, like like crime, where people see that oh, you know majority of South Sudanese kids in Melbourne are committing crime, but it might be a very small number. And also, you know, we stand out. We stand out like a sore thumb because we're black. <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's probably we we're, we're the the blackest of all the communities that are here in Australia. Exactly. We gotta stand out. That's, that. That is a fact that we can't deny. We will, we will stand out. So if you see uh, five South Sudanese walking on the street, they will stand out. Tall, black, strong, loud, you know, that, that creates attention. So I think that's, that, that really does play the part in, in, the whole, in the whole scheme. Right. Given the fact that says young South Sudanese are pretty much better outstanding in what they do, uh, there's a huge, large number of the sportmen and, and sportwomen in the, in the Australian football club and in the Australian uh, soccer uh, club. And, and, and this has built a huge network of professionals in South Sudanese community among the other African communities. You're looking at the basketball as well. The South Sudanese from, from Australia have emerged in a you know, and given uh, given the fact they have a lot of them uh, moved from Australia to the NBA in the United States, why is the media not portraying this as their positive image all the time? Given there are over forty uh, young professional stars who need in sport and in the passion industry, we're becoming so dominant in right in such kind of areas. But 
you don't hear much news and much noise being made of air there. Why do you think is that? I think it's easier to sell a bad news. It's very easy to sell, uh, you know, things like when when you see, like I was there when when uh, the fight happened, uh, the the one that shut down the South Sudanese basketball tournament now for 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 good in Melbourne. Uh, I was there, and when you see when you see it on the news, you know it makes it it makes it a bit more interesting. People get interested in in that that uh, you know there's there's uh, all these Sudanese kids running on the street and the the the, the videos are running after them, um, and so it's easier to sell that than to to follow South Sudanese. Uh, basketballer who has struggled so much to actually get to america like i know i know kids that stay up they stay up late just so that they, they can match the time with them with america to talk to their coaches to talk to 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 sell themselves like the so the the, the kids that are actually need they, they need their stories to be told to, so that you know someone can sponsor them, they're not getting their stories told. And, but the one, you know, the, the, that small number that is, uh, we, we see on the videos running on the streets um, and the media running after them, they're, they're the one that are getting their, <laughs> their name out. Um, and yeah, so the, the opportunities the opportunities in in sport, especially, it's so it's so easy for Sasunis to dominate it. Very easy, especially here in Australia. But that's it, it. Probably will come, but at the moment we're not seeing that, and that's why um, you find all these basketballers, all these kids that 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 are so talented in basketball and music, trying to find opportunities somewhere else. And America is good at this. America is good at, at, at taking the, our citizens, our Australian citizens. Who because have America, that, because America is very diverse from so many years more than Australia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the, um, the citizens of Australia who feel neglected in their own country find the opportunity outside. And so they, they, they would sacrifice so much. They will save up the money they will, for, for, for years. They'll go and shoot their videos. They'll put it on YouTube. They'll, they'll contact. And these are very young kids. These are young, very young, like high school graduates doing all this by themselves. And um, it's, but it's not very interesting to the media. It's not interesting to the, to the news. You see? That's, that's right. That's just right. Okay, then, um, since 2007 until today, there has been many unaccounted for uh, death among the youth across Australia in the South news community. What do you think is causing such heartbreaking events in a huge numbers? Well, at the moment, there's, uh, there's a whole issue of the mental problems, the mental health issues. That, that's the biggest thing right now across all, all, all boards, um, but that that's not something you just wake up over overnight. Like you, I can't just wake up tomorrow and start and say I have mental issues. It builds up. It builds from something. 
and uh, with with our kids, they they those those things have been building up from you know starting from families, starting from our families where kids feel isolated within their own family. The only people that will accept them are their friends on the streets. And when 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 they when they gather, these are young people. There is no adult among them. When when young people when when young kids gather, they make decisions according to their age. And th those decisions come with their energy, and you know that energy is what we see like, as a gang type. Yeah, you know, their kids. That's what they do because there's no adult among them, and it it it's, it leads it leads on from the fact that. They're being isolated from their own homes. They're not fitting in in their own house, and and so they they come to to the point where a point of desperation of needing to belong somewhere. And and there is someone they can belong with is another child that feel isolated from their own house. They will come outside. They will meet, and they will they will you know so. Those those things have been leading, have been contributing to the whole factor of, um, you know, building these little little gangs. Because in Melbourne, you know, there's been a few that have been just killing each other. There's attacks. You hear attacks all, all the time. One of my cousins got attacked recently, just coming out of a of a barber shop, and they just attacked him. But and these are other other you know other Africans. Um, so if, if people didn't jump in, they would have probably killed him. The same thing happens in other places um, where, where the young Sassoonese in, in these small groups are killing each other. But one of the things that we can't really ignore are the one, there's the majority that is committing suicide because of these built up mental issues. Isolation is a big problem being isolated in your own family and being isolated by the community. You know, th that, that is something we cannot ignore because, you know, as, as, um, as yeah. the saying goes, you know, ma no man is an island. We can't isolate people and think that they will be still normal. So uh, we're driving our own people crazy. Our own children, we're driving them crazy. So, I've, I've, so some of these deaths are building up from, from, uh, from a lot of angles. And uh, one of the biggest things is, you know, people being isolated. Wow. Do you believe uh, most youth problems usually started from family relationship with parents and um, the friendship other than the family members? Or either in the school, uh, for example, um, the bullying, you talk about the mental health issues. So this is this, this where the bullying coming in, discrimination, so again, is another, another things. So do you think all these are uh, factors that are contributing to the mental health issues of the young people in the community? Yeah, these are contributing things. And, um, you know, we, we have to be realistic with um, how we treat each other, especially how parents treat their children. 
it's it's not about you know just giving them gifts and fill, filling their rooms with because some kids walk out of that they still walk out of that they they, they, they from a from a, a very nice house with all the video games whatever they still walk out of that because we, they're not there is there's no realistic view of their future if if parents do not have a realistic they they, they have to be realistic in in terms of what they actually provide their children and love love is something that we can't it, they will never um if if, if a child is feeling yeah you can't buy it if a child is not feeling loved at home they'll they'll walk out regardless of all the video games you buy them so it's the, the um they will look for that they will look for that acceptance somewhere else they'll look for it somewhere else and in in schools uh, some schools are very good in in terms of um, uh, you know looking at this this very very fragile children and and to be realistic our children are very fr- fragile we're not calling for for a very very special treatment but we're calling for an understanding of the fact that we're, we're dealing with a very fragile generation that is being faced by, you know, a, a lot of challenges, including bullying at school or, be, or discrimination at school um, and on the streets and in the shops. <laughs> you know, you go into the shop, you get followed by, by the security guard. <laughs> I, was, I was in the chemist just recently, um, here in Adelaide, and the security guard literally followed me. <laughs> and I, I had my mask on, and uh, and, I, and I was wearing, you know, a, a black uh, jumper. So I did uh, probably <laughs> in his mind, in his prejudiced mind, if I look like a gangster. So he followed me every aisle I went to. He, the guy was following me. I nearly played played a bit of a trick that uh, I saw in one of the comedy shows one day. You know, you just just try to, <laughs> to to run and try to see, see if you can grab something and, <laughs> and see what they do. But it is very sad to see that that um, that that kind of treatment on the street. That's uh, discrimination and prejudice and all that, um, without an understanding of the fact that there are already other struggles that people, these people are going through. You see. So it's becoming a community-wide segregation, you know, when, when, when you just get followed, you know, or when you just jump into a job and then somebody would think you're just part of that crew and all that. And, and this is the more challenging and that's need a re-education, you know, in the mind of a, a majority of the Australians. And for people, you know, this is how the, the media actually put the community you know, toward that. And that is a quite challenging bit of it. So, in, in, in reality, in reality, you have you have touched most of the key important issues facing the community today. It is not the young people themselves, but you know you find the mental well-being you know is a quite challenge among the older adults at the moment. You know, recently I was told there is a, there is a, a huge network of uh, homelessness. You know, in, in in the street of Melbourne, you know. In the heart of Melbourne itself, you know, where young, where young people, the the older people as well are homeless, 
And I was so surprised to see such kind of shocking event, you know, unfolding the community. Is that something that you have come across? Yeah, I've come across it, uh, especially around Daninong, Daninong area. That, um, and, and as I said before, it's the same thing even with, with the mental health issues. This homelessness, these people don't, didn't just decide overnight that uh, I'm going to be homeless today. It builds up to the point where of, of that desperate situation where they find themselves sleeping in the park. And it's, it's the, the, the lack of support, lack of understanding, and, and lack of direction. Where the, the services might be there, how am I going to know? You know, because no one understands me. That's, it comes down to that. No one understands me. That of, of what, what is actually happening to me. It's, it's, yeah, I look homeless, yes. They look, they look they, they're there, they're on the streets. But what left of that, that's the problem. How, how they ended up there on, in, in the streets of Daniel and sleeping in the park. That's the, that's, that, that's the key issue that need to be addressed. And it's a, it's a very, it's a growing thing. In, it's around Melbourne. It's a growing thing where you just, even in the city, uh, you, you walk into the city and, uh, and it's so heartbreaking when you see <laughs> a very young South Sudanese person walk up to you and ask you for $3. Very heartbreaking. But it's a trend that is it's already um, rolling and it could get worse. That's, that's, that is very heartbreaking. Do you think lack of mentoring and, and, and uh, the support network uh, is, is the cause of all these challenges among the South Sudanese people? Um, I, I think uh, it, it's a lack of understanding because they need to be understood. These, these, these kids uh, come from uh, a, very, a very challenging background and, and their background, if, if, no one, if no one cares enough to want to understand that, even mentoring will not work. Because even the mentor themselves have to put themselves in that in the shoes of that of this young person, understand exactly what they're going through, and then mentor them from from that. It's, it's so you you find you know the kid the kids will say it themselves, no one understands me, and that's a big point. Like no people people might think you know it's just the child's mind talking, but if no one cares enough to understand what is happening, the threat they get, not just from the other Sassoonese, from other people, from, you know, all, all these issues that they should not be facing as their children. Those things need to be understood first. Right. Again, looking at these, uh, the, these volatile situations of the young people, because uh, I, I, will, I, I will surround and keep on going around with all these young people problems. Given the problem of these young people, you know, majority of them, you know, finding uh, uh, issues since in, in the migration started and, 
and the Sassanese community started arriving in the early 2000s, you know, up to the late 2000s. Uh, do you think uh, 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 the lack of, uh, the governmental lack of, uh, lack of uh, access navigations and, 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 and how uh, an uneducational um, access, you know, on how Australia works and, and the system in Australia wasn't uh, uh, oriented properly in a, in, in a way that the families who came from uh, the refugee backgrounds would understand better. So do you think the child protections and, uh, and, and the security agencies like the police of, of, uh, of actually have a huge hand in mishandling, you know, these fragile young people who came out of, uh, of, of the traumatized war parents. Yeah, see those agencies, uh, um, they come from, from a very westernized training that, that has, that, that, you know, very well established. So here we are coming, they, they, so they can walk into a house and they're very frightening, very, very frightening people that they're very heavy handed where they, they can walk into a house and literally pull it apart. Because it's, it's, it's stopped being about a child anymore. It's become about their, their authority. They're not, they're not there to try and protect the child. It, that's in paper it looked nice that oh you know we're here to protect the child but in reality if you destroy the family you've destroyed that child and the 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 police on the other hand um there are some that have really tried they've tried very hard like around fitzroy in melbourne the, uh there was a there was a policeman there that actually i think from what I heard, he went to South Sudan to try and understand the background and all this. But, you know, you go to Western suburbs in Melbourne, it's, it's a whole different, different story. It's about authority. It's about power. It's about these guys showing the South Sudanese we're in charge. And, and that, that like, we can't build Australia like that. I don't think you... you we can build Australia using using force and 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 and, um, and showing our muscles. The Australia that we that we've come to learn was not built like that. Why is it different to us? Why is it that, that the power has to be uh, the authority has to be so heavy-handed on our on our kids, destroying them? Right now in Melbourne. The number of South Sudanese kids that are in jail, it's, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking. In and out, in and out. That they become, that's their life. It's, it's, and so the role these agencies play is, is, is enormous. It's huge to, to the point of, of really, um, it's not funny anymore, it's not fair. That has been that has been the huge the huge challenge, and that has been uh, uh, the major fight uh, that that people like myself has been involved as well to to tell to tell off the Department of Child Protection. You know, you cannot continue to 
to, to impose the rules of laws that were established, you know, during the stolen generations. So those kind of rules of laws need to be abolished, you know, and, and, and construct a new policies, you know, that, that bring the new Australia, you know, and, and, and the new migration into, into, the, into these kind of rules. You know, it has become quite challenging and, and seeing those young people, uh, you know, being snatched up from their parents and, and all that. And some of the families have really been broken, you know, and that's heart, heartbreaking, you know, to, to just uh, listen to such kind of stories. Uh, the, rea the reality of the fact is that uh, the culture play major roles in our, in our upbringing, uh, our own children. But in this scenario, do you think the culture, uh, especially the Sassanese culture, has played a huge neglecting roles in, in supporting uh, these young generation to be the future leaders, especially in the big families, because uh, Sassanese families are, are made up of uh, uh, a, a huge network of uh, children. Uh, let's say, for example, one family might have at least five children, which is the, the smallest unit of the family that you might find around. Do you think, uh, uh, Family planning might be the case to, to, to maximize and minimize all these issues happening so that we can be adequately take care of the children that we could be able to afford. Yeah, no, that, uh, that, that's, a, that's a very big one. And um, I think uh, part of uh, the answer that I left out in your last questions regarding the, um, the support of the government it comes down to this where the, the, the a proper formation of the Sassoonese that arrived in Australia. Like when, when we came, we were given 13 weeks. So 13 weeks, we were, we, were, we were supposed in that 13 week fit in to Australia. And then from there, you know, you're on your own. And so the, the, that, that lack of formation of of, uh, of 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 giving people uh, adequate education about how things work in Australia, especially the education issue. The education. If I have ten kids, how am I going to afford to pay to, to pay the, the school fees? How am I going? So, how am I going to feed them? You know, um, and and all all these things. So, the the economical. Uh, system was never really explained to anyone and to this day a lot of people don't know like how much it, how much it actually cost to bring up one child exactly but like there's i would say 90 percent of the south Sudanese families have no idea how much it costs one child like to, for you to actually properly bring up one child in in this in this commonwealth so uh, it's the the uh, the issue of, of family planning. Yes, that's that, that's something that you know a conversation that people will eventually start having. Um, but the importance of the child is still very vague in our heads. Who is the sole carer? Who is who is the carer? Who is the the one that actually uh, the one that is actually needed by this child? And that's the parent. That is still very vague in our heads. That, you know, it, 
Okay, the school. They spend a lot of time at school. And leaving, like, but the school cannot take care of the children by themselves. It's a communication between the parents and the school. If, if they had to switch off their phones, like, I know there are some parents that, that do that. You know, they, they know this, the phone number of the school. If the school called because there's a problem, they don't want to hear it. Serious. And it, it, you, if you can't cooperate with the school over your own child, what else? What else are you going to do really in life? <laughs> wow. That's the, the whole reason for, for you being who you are as a parent is for that child. Exactly. So it, it, that, you know, that formation was never really properly done to, to, to our families. And it's still, it's still no one, no one is doing it. Wow, that is a sad scenario. Right, then let's move ahead. Uh, recently, you have strongly came out, you know, with a written uh, document that outlined a major event leading to untimely dismissal of the young Paul Dengit. What impact has this event uh, really made to this family? I know it is a hard trending issue and it is very important that you have spoke out on it. See, like whole whole story, uh, it's a very tragic. It's a very tragic story, and you can see where it slips off, like where just things just slip off. How Paul end up on the streets? Very, there was a very thin line there, because uh, like at the end when Paul dies, everyone want to blame everyone. But the thin line there where, you know, was this child cared for? Yeah, he was getting food. He was getting, um, going to school. But what do we mean about care? What was this? It's, so, and, and even him being on the street, being arrested, is it, was it because he was just tall? He was only 13. You can't just arrest a 13-year-old because he's <laughs> walking on the street. And so Cole, Cole, uh, Cole's death, let, uh, you know, it all led up to, to, to his death in the end um, from, from a lot of people not playing their part, starting with, with the poor mother. Like, she was very heartbroken, but... And in the end, she ended up in a mental institute as well. But in, in reality, everyone had, we have to look out for the kids. We have to look out for, for, for their well-being. And, um, and, and the, even the old man that ma manipulated the situation, the businessman, you know, he found the opportunity of using these kids, which is, uh, you know, in Melbourne right now, it's one of the big things where they're being used to sell drugs, to you know, do home invasions, break into shops, uh, get the jewelry, go and sell it. Um, you know, they could break into a jewelry store, get all the jewelry, give it, give it to to this big dog or, or the, the 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 top dog, and they get a little you know little pay pay off, and then the next the next home invasion will be planted. So, it's um. 
it's a situation that I don't know whether uh, there's, there's not many people that are aware of it, but it's a trending problem, which will lead, which will lead, which which leads up to the the, the similar way that Quoll eventually dies, sadly. So sad, so sad indeed. Uh, so sad indeed, Dan. And uh, and 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 I think such kind of events, you know, um, unfolding such a family, you know, such such kind of event, uh, unfolding a family, a family who's trying, you know, you have really outlined, you know, with his uh, older brother, you know, trying his best well, you know, trying to be part of the parental uh, parenting and all that. So how is his mom now? So Gwal's mom still struggling, you know, mentally. Mm-hmm. So, and um, and especially, you know, um, with our community, not really, uh, you know, even the words we use to describe a mental, mentally ill person, those, those that, that's, to us, you become like a laughing stock. Once you have a mental, um, uh, a mental health issue, it's like, a, you know, you've totally gone crazy and people start laughing at you instead of getting that support, yeah. um, accepting, even accepting counseling, you got to talk about what you're going through. Um, and to, uh, to Quoll's mum, it's, it's, uh, it's still, you know, it's still a struggle. It's still a struggle where she can't comprehend the fact that she is just lost to the streets. Not even just, lo- the child is dead. A, a last born, the mama's boy, is dead because of this wide neglect and you know manipulation of our children on the streets of Melbourne. That is something that any parent cannot comprehend, and she she will struggle for a while with that issue wow do you believe uh, do you believe the the younger generation in melbourne and around other part of australia are becoming uh, the victim of the drug uh drug lords and, and and all that you know being used to to, to navigate around and, and these young people are seeing this opportunity as uh, getting into the world uh, quite easily. Do you think this is the, the quite challenging factor which is trending now? Yeah, it's one of the big things that is uh, trending now. And it comes, uh, you know, it starts off with you being denied a job. Just a simple part-time, little part-time job that keeps your mind busy after school, you know, make a little bit of money here and there. Um, so if you can't find that, if McDonald's can't hire you, Hungry Jack's, KFC, those places, if they can't hire you at that, at that age when you need to start learning about these things, obviously, you will start looking around for, for, because the family's already struggling financially. They, they can't provide the kids with, you know, they're, they're other things, their little luxuries things. And so these kids... Will, will basically go out and try and find, find ways to make money. And the drug lords got that opportunity. That there's a child here that needs money and need a job. So they use them. 
they'll sell marijuana, they'll sell whatever, cocaine, whatever. So in anything to get their hands to on, and and you know around Richmond, that's there's a lot of problems that are happening around Richmond from from all these issues where the the drug lords are out there hunting our kids, using them for their own benefits. Wow, very insightful, Dan. That's very, very, very insightful. And and parents themselves are not aware of them. And this is part of the neglect. If you go around now telling one of the parents, this is the new issue coming up, you know, they, they wouldn't get it. You know, they will tell you off and all that. Mm. But the reality is, yes, you have talked a lot about the economical values, you know, what the young people, you know, trying to, to have from the parental words, you know. Let's say, for instance, if you have 10 children, you know, and, and you are the only, the father is the only one working and, and the mother is, might be doing some other part-time job. Still, you know, these kids, when they come out of school, they need uh, after school activities so that you can be able to engage them and those cost money. You know, they need a lot of uh, other things, you know, that their age group, you know, needed. But, you know, when these kids, 10 of them, you know, do you think any parent will be able to afford them, you know, working, you know, earning eight hundred dollars a week, you know, with uh, you know, looking rental property is a big thing, uh, you know, mortgage is a big thing, the food is a big thing as well. So the, the money end up, you know, with all those kind of things, leaving the children, you know, with nothing in their hands, you know, but for them to look for other opportunities. So it's pretty right, you know, these kids, you know, if they if they cannot get hired, you know, by the but the fast food restaurants, you know, they might be opting for other chances, you know, which are just available. And that's the reality. So what give you motivation then? What give you this courage and motivation to write, you know, uh, call uh, is, uh, is dismissal. So many people turn out not to speak out, you know, in our community when second event happened. I think to, to me, it's, um. It's, it's something that has been happening over and over. And um, I think it's, a, it's time that we start talk, having a con conversations around these, these issues that, that, you know, without, without being afraid uh, that, you know, that the drug lords will hunt me down because that's, that's the biggest fear. That's the reality that, oh, if I talk about this, they will hunt me down. But when, when are we going to, uh, how are we going to save our children? I said before that this, if, if, if my child is not the focus of my, my being, why am I a parent? Exactly. You know, so it's, we can't just let things be as they are when we know they're deteriorating, especially for, from, from the very vulnerable people that rely on us for protection or guidance and you know for just the basics of life we can't just keep quiet better very brave thing that's better outstanding and uh it is great it's great honor you know it's great honor to to have you uh you talking to me today and uh and I've been very, very privileged, you know, going through your document. So one of the key things that I was looking into that is to make a lot of editorials and, and make sure this uh, document is published as an ebook and people will be able to, to look into it. And, and this is source of uh, empowerment and education, you know, in our community.
So a lot of people who are keeping quiet out there will definitely speak up, you know, on such kind of issues. So it has been my honor uh, to, to have you today on, on board. And uh, what would be your remark again, you know, you know, you know, looking at the diverse issues we have been touching today. And this might not be even the last talk we will do. We might be talking a lot because he looked to be uh, quite an outstanding guy who has a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, talks to do to the community. People will be listening to, you know, to these issues and it might be quite educated, you know, to other people who are there. Yeah, I think the, probably the last thing I would want to, want to say is probably, you know, um, the, you know, the more of us that, uh, you know, talk, the, the louder our message is. So we need to be able to stand for each other and stand for our children and, and, do, and do everything in our power to redirect, redirect our story. We have to redirect our story. The media is not going to do it. We have to redirect our story. And, we, and the more of us that do it, the, the, you know, the higher chances of us rewriting our place here in Australia. And the, the truth is, this is our country now. And we're not, we're, not, we're not going anywhere. So we might as well, you know, ride our place and make, it, make ourselves firm in this country and play, and play a part just like every other citizen. That's very true. And that's the reality, Dang. And because we're not going nowhere, you know, no matter what the media will say all the time, they should know that we belong to this nation and we're not going anywhere at all. And that's the key point, you know, and that's the key strategy, it's key fundamentals uh, point that we are belong to this country as, uh, as the same as whoever is around this country. Thank you so much, Dang, for tonight. And I'll be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.